You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday edition of Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis. We have the end of the Chicago White Sox series to talk about. It is currently the seventh inning of the opener against the Twins. We have a lot to talk about as we get into the show as well. Have some listener mail. We have some uh, rule changes for this year. Just a lot of points to to go through. So let's start with the rule change, which is when there are double headers, those are going to be seven inning games. It's it's a little bit weird. It's another rule change that messes with just the way games work. And there's going to be a lot of double headers this year. That's part of the reason for this change. Uh, just with teams missing games, you know, as announced, that Philadelphia is skipping their next series as well. So that's two straight series lost for them, and no one knows what's happening with the Marlins. So in attempts to make up some of those, we'll have to see what occurs. But seven inning games, uh, what are people's thoughts? Take on that. It's uh, another odd rule change for an incredibly, incredibly odd year. So let's talk about the conclusion of the series against the White Sox. Two out of three games is a successful series. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's just a shame to see a game where Zach Plesak looked that sharp to, uh, to get the loss and the way they did. So let's just hit on Plesak's performance. Eight innings, 11 strikeouts, three hits, no walks. And before the series, you talked about it. This is a White Sox team that has a pretty good lineup. It's a pretty good team all in all for the White Sox. And in this one in particular, it's like Eloy Jimenez is back. So, you know, he's playing. Yes, second base and right field were a little weak in this one. The rest of that lineup is a very strong lineup. And Plesak made them look silly. Now remember, he was training with uh, with Clevenger during this time, during the downtime, and Clevenger talked about that he just there was not enough movement in his hips, there was not enough movement in general, and that he needed to, you know, that they were working on his flexibility. Little things like that can make a huge difference, and maybe it will make a huge difference with Plesak, but no matter what way you look at it, like, yes, they lost that game, and that's awful, but, I mean, Plesak's performance has to make you go, oh, man, because... If he found another level, you have a really good pitcher there all of a sudden. Uh, I mean, I, I was perfectly content saying he's probably a fifth, a swing guy, you know, maybe a little bit better version of Plutko. But if there's a little bit more than that, all of a sudden he becomes a three. A consistent three is a ton of value for him and for the Indians. Uh, Jose Ramirez, three for four in the game. Other than that, no one else reached base more than once. The bottom of the lineup went 0 for 10 with four strikeouts. That's That's not great. Uh, that is Domingo Santana, Bo Taylor, and Oscar Mercado. Brad Hand was a disaster, and Adam Simber didn't help him out. Now, Brad Hand's velocity has been down. We've talked about this, and I have expressed time and time and again my concerns with the Indians' bullpen. Uh, this game showed it. Yes, they were probably going to be, you know, the, the White Sox had the deeper pen. They were going to be better able to uh, go into a uh, extra inning affair and win this one. But, man... It just it feels like a waste when Zach Plesac pitches as well as he did to then turn around and uh, lose that game in the ninth inning. You know, it's like they're great for eight, and then in the ninth, Brad Hand is just awful, and that's his second time out there. And he hasn't looked good, and he didn't look good in camp, and he's making it easier by the day for the Indians to not pick up that team option. Uh, he was not good at the end of last year, and when the Indians got him from uh, San Diego, there was concerns with his velocity diminishing a bit even then and he came back and had some you know the Indians got a good 
year for him, but it's with that that trade, if Francisco Mejia turns out better than, you know, turns into what people thought he would be instead of looking more like what I thought he would be, uh, it's going to be just a bad deal. It, it's going to be because Simber is a, a guy who is uh, probably someone you really don't want to keep on your roster uh, long term. He's a, a depth arm and not a particularly good one. And then Hand is, you know, when they got him that year, he wasn't great for that whole half a season. And then last year was half a season of it. And the whole value of him was supposed to be that you're going to get two and a half years. Well, now they might have got, like, not even a full season of valuable production out of Brad Hand. I, uh, I'm just going to stop talking about that negativity, talk about the positivity as I have the uh, game in the background here. It popped up that uh, having 25 strikeouts so far for so far for B. Brewer's first two starts and the most since Nolan Ryan, I think in 1987, was uh, what was posted there. So man, yeah, Shane Bieber, just what we always thought. He's he's the next Nolan Ryan. Before we get into today's game, let's give it some more time to unwind. Let's. I, I had some listener mail and I want to dig into that. So let me grab that uh, from the Mad Thinker. And sorry, I have so many things open. And he he appreciated the identification of Chance Cisco for a target to help the tribe. And the one thing I missed was what was the fair cost to pay. I don't know if it's so much I missed or so much so that I feel like I'm terrible at figuring out fair costs. Uh, and then he talked about how the Orioles are looking for pitching. Pitching for now uh, might not be the target. Pitching for years of control is more likely our target in many ways. And that's something that the tribe has. Would you consider Luis Oviedo a good trade piece, or are you more willing to part with Elaine Morgan or Sam Hentges? I am interested in your thoughts. Morgan is the one guy in that group I'd rather not move. That's just me. I know most places have the other two rated higher. Oviedo did not have a strong year last year. Um, they did not add him to the 40-man, right? Like That was the whole thing. They had to choose if they're going to add him or not, and they didn't, and he was not picked up. Right now, we're seeing uh, teams in general are just not rolling the dice. It's like when the Braves DFA'd Fulte, I thought for sure someone would claim him. I thought maybe the Indians would take that risk there and see if they could fix him. Uh, no one claimed him. Same weird thing with Hunter Wood. It almost makes you feel like teams have some kind of deal in place where uh, they're agreeing to not claim guys from other teams. I don't know. It's just it's odd to see both of those guys pass through behaviors and everyone be like, wait, what? But... Chan Cisco, you know, I went over to the trade value site, which I've talked about before, and it's it's not ideal because, like, the trade value site, Chan Cisco, uh, you know, he's had this is his third year in the majors, and he's never established himself even as a starter, and it still gives him a seven point one value, which is on par with like Daniel Johnson. Uh, it's higher than a lot of players. It's higher than Michael Givens, who's the closer on that team with one and a half years of control, and has been a solid performer. Uh, there's no way that Cisco has more value than Givens. And I bring up Michael Givens because, frankly, uh, let's expand this deal. If we're going to find a deal that makes sense, uh, let's go ahead and get Givens because this pen could use help and it is not a rental. You're getting a year and a half of Givens. So we know the pen is a mess. We know the Indians could use some reinforcements there. Cisco is an interesting bat who's shown the ability and the willingness to change his approach, change his swing and get better behind the plate, but he's currently blocked. And with Givens, he's been an effective reliever on uh, on some bad teams, and he would definitely be an upgrade over multiple options the Indians have in their pen right now. Uh, their combined value on that trade value site is like a 10, which translates over, if I look at like the Indians, a medium value, their a value of 10 is Jordan Luplo. 
Um, the value of 12.6, for instance, is, is Zach Plesak. Uh, Roberto Perez is only a 9.1. So that's, again, this is why I'm not loving this height. Like, a Roberto Perez at a 9.1 versus Chancisco at a 7.1. Those players are not that comparable uh, at all for those valuations. So I decided to instead to go look at, you know, what did the Orioles do recently? It's the draft is our last bit of information on them. And before I use that draft information um, and talk about what might make sense for one of these deals, I want to do a quick shout out to our sponsors. We have CBDMD.com. This is a fantastic site. I've talked about how I've gone there multiple times myself just to kind of look at it. This is not something that is in my wheelhouse, but it's an easy to navigate site. 25% off is a huge discount. And remember, when you go to CBDMD, you're going to use that promo code LOCKEDONMLB to get that 25% discount. You can get it for you. You can get it for your pets. They have so many topicals, so many different ways that you can uh, use CBD oil in your own life uh, to help you out. So if you've ever been curious, here's the perfect opportunity. They have free shipping on site as well. So you're going to go to CBDMD.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWNMLB. It's an important sponsor because it's specifically baseball-specific, which is uh, means more of that pool for us. So it's great. The more people we get, this is your chance. Go save 25%. If you've ever been curious or if you currently get CBD products, go check out CBDMD.com. Our other sponsor is, again, something that is not in my wheelhouse, rockauto.com. I am not your car person, but what I appreciate is an easy-to-navigate website and understanding of a business model. The business model here is that uh, they don't have a bunch of stores all over the country. They don't have a ton of staff. They don't have a lot of, they're not paying for rent and they're not paying for someone to be there 24 seven, but in their uh, main facilities, there are people there and they get that order and they get it together and they get it shipped off. And by cutting off the overhead, they save that savings for you. So you're gonna go over to rockauto.com. When you place your order with Rock Auto, you're gonna put in the little, how'd you hear us? How did you hear about us? You're gonna write locked on, write locked on Indians. You know, it's one of those things where since they just want to know how you heard about them, go ahead and put our name there in particular. But it's going to rockauto.com. Fantastic prices, great selections, easy to navigate. By cutting down that overhead, they are passing those savings on to you. Rockauto.com. Remember to tell them that you heard about it from the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, so the Baltimore Orioles, and there was the OK, which means, you know, we're back because that's what I do. It, they had the weird draft. It was the second overall pick, and then they took a massive underslot player there, and I, I didn't quite understand their draft. That's just the, the honest-to-goodness truth. I didn't love it. Uh, probably would have been one of my least favorite drafts in general. Uh, but they go into this draft, and you know they go Heston Kerstad, who is a highly productive college player. Jordan Westberg, highly productive college player. Both those SEC talents. Hudson Hoskins, he's from Tulane, smaller school, still highly productive. Anthony Servito, highly productive, up the middle, which, by the way, I mean, Kerstad's not going to stick in center, but uh, he played there in college. Haskins played center in college. Servito, shortstop, Westberg, shortstop, all up the middle talent. Servito, highly productive in Mississippi this year, SEC. And then they went with two prep uh, prep talents with their fourth and fifth round pick. But this shows to me, and you think about a year ago when they went Aldi Rushman, uh, or Adley Rushman, I should say, with that uh, first overall pick, highly productive college player. So looking at the Indians, if you're going to make a deal to just continue on this uh, idea that uh, m- uh, the Mad Thinker brought up, 
like what makes sense? Who are the guys who you probably want to look at players who are high A level uh, to try to get someone like Givens and Cisco? Maybe do two upgrades in one here. What makes sense is is maybe players who have all of their options intact, uh, but could provide value. Um, there could even be some thought process of giving them a young reliever in place of what they're giving up. So if you're going to get Givens. Maybe someone like Nick Sandlin would intrigue them. Sandlin is close, but he's not quite there yet. He's the former second-round pick. I don't know if the Indians really want to flip him, because, again, he should be one of those next-wave guys to help them sooner rather than later. Uh, this probably eliminates guys who have already had time in the majors, the Daniel Johnsons, Bobby Bradleys, Logan Allens of the world. And it also eliminates some of those guys who are further away, um, like uh, Carlos Vargas, uh, Jose uh, Tenia, maybe a Luis Oviedo. So this is where it gets tricky. It's like, where can we get someone who's been the high A or has been in, uh, oh, that's weird, high A or double uh, A levels, uh, maybe triple A levels. And what I was noticing is weird as I went over to the MLB list just to kind of see, because the MLB list is a consensus top 30. Like they talk to people and they kind of build up and, and that's what it is. It's not to say that they're copying or anything, but they have so many connections. Often it comes to be more of a consensus list. Uh, Bieber with another strikeout, just tied Kurt Schilling for the most Ks in the second, uh, first two starts. One behind Carl Spooner, who had 27. Uh, but going back to this, so every player who was in camp was listed as MLB level, which, not ideal, because <laughs> it gets away like that, oh, where did they play, oh, um, no, well, that's not technically true. So, when we're looking for a deal that might make sense with the Indians, I you know, I, I would love to trade Sam Hentges. I'm not a huge fan of his, but he's been on the roster for two years. I don't know how they would feel about his options and the like. It's, this is, and like I said, you know, I always feel like this is what I'm bad at. Like, I don't know what makes sense for Baltimore. If you go and you look at their roster, by the way, a lot of former friends on this roster um, in general, when you go down specifically to, you know, Asher Wojciechowski is a starter who they bought from the Indians AAA. In that pen, Cole Sulcer, Sean Armstrong, former uh, Indians minor leaguers. But yeah, Givens and Cisco, I think it you know it's a strong upgrade. How do you make that work? Who is that like sweet spot sweet spot prospect? Probably two. And you know when you're looking at the Indians' top prospects, you probably want one guy from the back end of the top ten, and then maybe another developmental type. Uh, this is again, like I said, this is where I struggle a bit just because. Their minor league talent is up at the higher level, highest levels, or it's really low. Most of their big prospects, like Double A, is not a good place for uh, prospects for the Indians right now. And uh, there was strikeout twenty seven, I believe, for Shane Bieber. But yeah, you know, maybe Ethan Hankins. Like, is is that feel like too much to give up? I mean, you're getting a proven reliever with a year and a half control, a guy who's been uh, good for. 1.2, 1.2, 1.8 war. Like he's not great, but he's a good reliever. Uh, been a closer during most of that time as well. Has experience working in the back. Well, I guess only over the last two years, but there weren't a lot of games. But this is I, You're probably out there being like, stop hemming and hawing and just give us an answer. I mean, the obvious choice is probably Tristan McKenzie. I don't know how much teams like him right now, though. Uh, between back-to-back injury-plagued years... Uh, bad spin rate data on his off speed, no real third pitch. 
Uh, if it sounds like I'm not high on him, I'm not. I, I don't. I'm not even sure if Tristan McKenzie is a future big league starter or not. Um, just because it's he's a low velocity fastball with some deception, a curve that it's been effective, but has not good spin rate data, and that third pitch is still yet to develop on top of the injury stuff. Uh, but again, this is a guy who's a former top 100 guy. Uh, you could kind of use that as the selling point, and he is someone who has pitched in Double A, and he is in camp, which makes him tradable. I believe Oviedo isn't even someone they could consider training, trading because he wasn't in camp with the Indians. The same thing with uh, Raquelio. I think you can only make trades with players who were in camp with this team. Uh, I'm sure the Orioles would probably start out asking about Ty Freeman, and you're just like, thanks, but no thanks. Uh, I would be offering Tristan McKenzie and then probably another lower value piece or a player to be named later that turns into uh, a younger uh, prospect. Uh, that's probably what you're looking at. Maybe somebody along the lines of a, a Jose Fermin um, or a Jordis Valdez. They have so many shortstops. I would I would target one of them as kind of the secondary piece that's a player to be named later that gets traded after the season is done. But yeah, uh, Tristan McKenzie is what I would offer. I'm just not sold, and I don't think his value is super high right now. And um, when I've seen him pitch in person, I didn't see anything there that made me think that this guy was going to be a future starter so yeah uh that is my thought on that and we're at 17 minutes so the game today against the twins it is currently the uh ninth inning top of the ninth in this one uh jose barrios had a fantastic outing uh lewis thorpe who i've liked for a while has been strong in relief so far so has uh zach Littell. Barrios is five innings, not perfect, but 96 pitches in five innings is a lot, whereas you know, Bieber likely isn't coming out for the ninth. Eight innings pitched, three hits, zero walks, 13 Ks, 102 pitches. He threw six more pitches and went three more innings. Uh, that's just unbelievable. And again, this is a very, very, very good Twins lineup, so that's even more impressive. And while you know the Indians have managed seven hits in this one, the the bigger thing, I think, is is going beyond those hits. Uh, they've had five walks. So they've had 12 base runners. The Twins have had three. The, you know, not walking at all gives them three hits, which is just three base runners, which limits, of course, your opportunity to be productive. In spite of the 12 base runners, the Indians have just the two runs on Francisco Lindor's second home run of the year, which happened in the third off of Berrios. Uh, Zimmer was pinch hit for by Jordan Luplo, and uh, Luplo then proceeded to hit into a double play, I believe, in that one. Uh, not exactly ideal situation. Uh, Pinch ran for Domingo Santana after he walked in this game, so we've, we've had a few other players go. Who has reached base multiple times? Uh, Jose Ramirez, two walks and a hit. What a season. He has been their MVP offensively so far, even though the MVP of this game offensively is obviously Frankie Lindor. Carlos Santana with a hit and a walk. Two hits by Fran Mel Reyes. Nice to see him starting to shake out of it a bit. And we'll see how this continues to round into form. Cesar Hernandez has played well, better than I expected in the early going. It's small sample size, early season. Uh, but, you know, it's nice to see them get off on the right foot. This is the game that they should win when you have Bieber on the mound. That's, that's every single game he is out there you're expecting to win. It's not going to happen, but you expect it. And then after you get through... Barrios, the rest of this pitching staff is just so bad that you have to feel confident going forward that you're going to be able to win this series and just keep winning series. You keep winning series, 
you're going to win this division. And again, just to you know, go back, I spent so much time on that Cisco and Givens trade idea because I do think another reliever is needed to really help this team figure things out. And it's not just the rental, which is something that the, the Indians have, have not really liked to go for. So finding a way to improve themselves, continuing to play while continuing to put pressure on those other teams in division. Uh, yeah, I mean, they started off against a Royals team that was beat up, but the White Sox are in okay shape. Every team has a few nicks and uh, injuries on them, and they went right through the White Sox. The Twins, you know, they're 4-1 and one this year. And the Indians, right now, barring another ninth inning collapse, are going to you know hand them their second loss of the year. It's going to start to to get easier because again, the schedule for the Indians opens up uh, with several bad teams in it at points in time, uh, just because of the general weakness in the uh, centrals. Though unfortunately for the Indians, it doesn't really open up until August 14th. You know, after the Twins, it's Reds, White Sox, Cubs. And then Friday, August 14th, you have Detroit, Pittsburgh, Detroit. So that's a nice little series. So you want to enter, if you enter that August 14th series, uh, the leader in your division, uh, you're just going to be able to add more games. If you are slightly out of first, that's where you're going to make it up. And that's just the important thing is to always keep in mind that strength of schedule matters in baseball. You look at the Twins built a huge lead last year due to having an easy schedule. And then the Indians came back to even take the division lead before giving it up again because then they faced that weak part of the schedule. So we're going through next few games. Clevenger, the opponent isn't listed. Uh, then we have Krasko, Maeda, Saval Bailey. So I would think, again, Rich Hill could be the player to make sense. We have Karen Chalk coming in here in the ninth for a save situation uh, instead of Brad Hand. We will see where it goes, but... That was our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed some more trade talk, you know, hitting up the listener mail, talking about what's going on there. Talking about just the stellar performance with these pitchers right now. When you're looking at what the Indian starters are doing, it's just unbelievable. Like, they have been so good, and that is going to allow the Indians to be a dangerous team. Uh, If everyone, I mean, they're not going to continue on this pace, let's be honest, but even if they continue at something even remotely close to this, it is setting the Indians up to be a favorite in the postseason just because they're going to have waves of pitching. And then using some of that maybe pitching depth in the minors, like I mentioned, someone like Tristan McKenzie, who was a former top 50 prospect in all of baseball who just kind of hit a wall right now in his development but could be used to procure... procure, procure wow. Sorry, everyone. You know, add uh, uh, some relief help, which is really... My only big concern with this team, uh, I did not expect Bradley Zimmer to, you know, change his swing and everything else, and that really has made the outfield look a lot different with its current, uh, the way it's all set up, and I like the Indians offensively. It's not perfect, but it's fine enough, and the starting is very good, so if they can find ways to help that pen out, that is what could make this team a legitimate World Series contender this year. I have been Jeff Ellis. It was another long one. Uh, we just had Karen Chalk get the uh, strikeout for the first out of this one. We'll see if I can do my wrap-up before the uh, game actually ends. I have been Jeff Ellis, and there's a pop-up, so maybe not. Two outs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat the Indians to the end of this one. Uh, sorry. I have been Jeff Ellis. You've been a fantastic audience, as always. I really appreciate your support. I'm hoping to soon be able to reveal that really cool news that could be coming that might involve... 
um, connections between uh, this podcast and some other uh, local uh, things. <laughs> It'll be exciting when it comes, I promise. But uh, deals like that only happen because we have such a strong listener base and we have such awesome listeners like you and people who want to get involved because they know that um, there are so many fantastic listeners out there. So thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. This has been Locked on Indians, and as always, go Tribe.